Last week, we intro just the whole idea that we're going to be looking at Jesus' last week on earth. So Jesus lived for around 33 years. He was born. We celebrate that at Christmas. He died. We celebrate that. We actually celebrate him rising again at Easter. And so this week we're looking at is that whole week leading up to him dying and then raising again. So this is his last week and he knows this is his last week. So it's a pretty important week. Usually if you know you're about to only have one more week to live, you kind of have this bucket list of things you want to do and you do really important stuff that week. And so we want to really take a look at this these days that Jesus had right before he died because they're probably pretty important because he did some things that were really important in these days. So, last week we talked specifically about the beginning of the week and we looked at a, a day called Palm Sunday, which is the day the Sunday before Easter. And we said it was Palm Sunday because the people, as Jesus was entering the city, laid down palm branches in front of him while he was riding on a donkey. Donkey. And so, it's called Palm Sunday because of the palm branches that were laid in front of Jesus when he rode on his donkey into Jerusalem. Now, tonight, we're going to go to, you'll never guess what, the next days, Monday and Tuesday. We're only going to go into a little bit of Tuesday, but we're going to talk about all of Monday and then Tuesday morning. So we're literally going through every day of the last week of Jesus' life, okay? So Sunday, he came into the city. Monday is the very next day he's in the city. We're going to follow what happens, and it's all going to be in Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 25, okay? So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 11. If you don't, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to put them on the screens. So let's read this together. Just read along in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Verse 15, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, it is, not, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out from the city. So... There's verses 12 through 19, okay? Seven verses real quick. And this is all what happened on Monday. So let's just kind of recap what we just read, because I know it's easy to get lost in all those words. So to sum it up, okay, on Monday, Jesus curses a fig tree for not having any fruit on it. They're walking into the town of, or into the city of Jerusalem. They're walking to the temple on the way, they see this fig tree. Jesus is hungry. He's looking for some figs. Anybody in here eaten a fig before? Okay. 
You can put your hands down. Figs, I'm not a big fan of figs. They like got the seeds in them and they kind of are, eh, I'm not a big fan. But because there was no figs and Jesus was hungry, he curses the tree. So next, Jesus turns over tables and stops what's going on in the temple. Some of you might have heard this story before because this is one of the few times we see Jesus like sort of getting angry. And he tips over these tables and he kicks the chairs that the people are sitting in and then he starts teaching. And this went on for the majority of the day, okay? This went went on for a while. So he starts teaching those that are sitting in the temple. Telling them why he did what he did. Telling them that this temple, this place, this house of God is supposed to be a house of prayer. It's supposed to be a place where people come from everywhere to talk to God, to have an encounter with God, to have an experience with God, to pray to God. So that's in a nutshell what happened on Monday. We're going to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of all that in just a minute. But if we keep reading the next few verses, we read about what happens on Tuesday. It says, In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. So the same fig tree they saw before, it's withered up now. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And the disciples called Jesus Rabbi because he was their teacher. So verse 22 says, Jesus replies, he says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen it will be done for them therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins so the very next morning after Jesus has cursed this fig tree He's gone into the temple, turned tables over, and taught a whole bunch of people for all day. He goes back to where he's staying in Bethany, and then the next morning they wake up, they walk by the same tree, okay? So, Tuesday, they see, the disciples see this dead fig tree, the one that Jesus just told to die the day before. It's dead now. Fig trees don't just die overnight like that, okay? So that's like, the tree literally died because Jesus said So, next thing, Jesus tells his disciples the importance of having faith in God for prayer. So when you're praying, having faith in God when you're actually praying. Okay, so that's what happened on Monday. This is what happened the next day on Tuesday. Now let's talk about what all that means. So, what happened on Monday has a lot to do with what happens on Tuesday morning, okay? That's the reason we're talking about both these days and we're only talking about part of Tuesday. It's because they relate. Hey, if you're talking right now, I need you to stop. So the whole reason we're talking about Monday and Tuesday together, they relate, they have something to do with each other and they help us understand what went on. Jesus uses the fig tree as a teaching moment for the disciples and for us. Because he knows we're going to be reading this one day. So he does this for us too. But specifically he does it for the disciples. It says that Jesus knew that the disciples could hear him as he's talking to this tree. And he knows that this fig tree is not in season. Like it's not really supposed to be a time for figs to be on trees anyway. But he curses it anyway. And causes it to die and the disciples heard all this. So, okay, what, is, what does that all mean, okay? 
Well, he expected fruit from the fig tree. Fig trees produce a certain type of fruit called a fig. Well, I, I went to the store and I looked for figs and they didn't have any. But they did have these. Fig Newtons. So, this is sort of what Jesus was looking for, except not really at all. He was looking for the fig that was made to make the Fig Newtons. Does anybody in here like Fig Newtons? A few of you like Fig Newtons? Have a Fig Newton, friend. Have a Fig Newton. Fig Newton. Have a Fig Newton. Front row, have a Fig Newton. Have a Fig Newton. Show some love over here. Give a little Fig Newton love. There you go. Enjoy that Fig Newton. All right, in the very back back here. Have a Fig Newton. There you go. Last one. There you go, sir. That's it. I'm I'm all out. I'm not really out, but I'm not going to give out anymore. Now, if you happen to get a Fig Newton, the... If you happen to get a, by the way, wasn't it good having Tim here with us tonight? He's good. I love that guy. Love that guy. Um, and by the way, P.S., okay, this has nothing to do with the message. But I dare you guys to, to ask him to do the rooster song at the end of the night. Okay, I dare you. I dare you. Okay, so um, back to the message. Jump back in with me, Okay. I gave out these Fig Newtons to help you get the whole idea that Jesus was looking for fruit. He was looking for something good off of this tree. If I had figs, I would have thrown out figs, and those wouldn't be as tasty. I'm going to try a Fig Newton. I haven't had one in like years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like Fig Newtons. I'm going to finish it though, so I'm not wasteful. So, ugh, who likes these? Y'all are weird. Y'all are weird. Ah. No, you're not eating this. This? No. <laughs> so, Jesus was looking for figs. He got no figs. There was no figs on this tree. So here's the parallel, okay? Here's the reason he's talking to this fig tree, okay? Because really the fig tree is not the main point. He's using it to tell a story, to make a point to the disciples and to us. And here's the point. He expects fruit from his people. And he illustrates this whole deal, this whole thing with the fig tree comes out as soon as he leaves the fig tree and goes into the temple. We're supposed to be praying, we're supposed to be giving to, having faith in, serving, and loving God with our whole lives. That's what Christians are supposed to be doing. Back then, it was supposed to be the Jewish people. That's what they were supposed to be doing, is loving God, serving God, giving to God, giving their whole life to God. Now, in the temple, apparently, that wasn't going on. The people in the temple weren't producing fruit. They weren't doing those things. Hey, if your eyes aren't up here, I need them to be. So the people in the temple were not producing the fruit, a lot like the fig tree was not producing the figs, the Newtons. They weren't happening. 
on the tree. Temple people were not producing fruit either. So they were living a different life than what they portrayed at the temple. Anybody ever known somebody to live differently than what they say? Show of hands. How many of you know people like that? They say they're a Christian and they don't really live like a Christian. They say that they're really smart, but then their grades are really bad. Or they say they're really nice, but they're really mean. We've all known people who are like that. You can put your hands down. So these people are those people. They're the people who are saying one thing and doing something different, which is why Jesus gets so fired up at them. Because these are supposed to be God's people. And so he gets frustrated, and he stops what's going on, and he starts to talk to them. He starts to help them understand what this is all about, what living for God and loving God is all about. So like the fig tree. Like the fig tree, when we don't live for God, we aren't really living. Did you guys realize that? And I, I, I don't mean that like give me the churchy answer, like, yes, if we're not living for God, we're not really living. No, no, no. I mean, really, like if you're not pursuing God with your heart and really seeking Him and really serving Him and, and trying to know Him and doing everything in your life for His glory, you're not really living life. If you're only living for you or if you're only living for, like we talked about last week, your status and your popularity, if you're living for that, you're living an empty life that has no ultimate meaning, that has no, no divine spark in it because it's not what God called you to. So when we don't have faith in God... To do what he says, then we end up like the fig tree. We end, up, we end up withering up, drying up, and just dying. And faith is a big part of this, which is why Jesus comes back to faith on Tuesday morning. After he's already talked to the fig tree, after he's already talked to the people in the temple, he comes back to faith. Because a lot of us in here would say we believe in God, right? I would say probably almost all of us would say, yes, we believe in God. We believe there is a God. We believe that God loves us. We believe that God is huge. We believe that God is gracious. We believe all these things that we've heard in church or heard from our parents or our grandparents or heard from a guy like me. I mean, we've heard these things. We believe these things. But do we really have faith in those things? And not necessarily those things, but that God is those things. So ultimately, do we really have faith in God? Do we really believe God is who He said He is? Do we really believe the things that God says in the Bible? Because there's a lot of things He says in there, then if we really believe, we would probably live different. God says not to put anything above Him. So if there's something in your life you're putting above Him, you're not living out what God's called you to. You're not living what the Bible's asking you to live which really is God asking you to live. So if we say we believe in God and we say we love God and we say we know God, that means we have to have faith that God is who he says he is. Otherwise, we're not going to live that out. Because I can say all day long, yes, I love God. I love Jesus. Yes. But if I don't do anything with that, I don't 
try to love other people the way Jesus loves other people, if I don't try to go out and forgive people the way Jesus forgives people, if I don't try to go serve people like Jesus serves people, and if I don't try to love God the way Jesus loves God, is what I'm saying really meaning anything? Not a lot. I can tell my wife, baby girl, I love you so much. You are so fine. I just love you. I can tell her I love her all day long. If I do nothing for her, I don't ever hug her, kiss her, do anything for her, take out the trash, do the dishes, give her roses, give her, take her out to dinner. If I don't do any of these things and ever show her that I love her, and all I do is tell her, does me saying I love you mean that much? Not really. And so when Jesus gets fired up at these people in this church, in this temple, these people have been coming in and doing kind of their normal thing. What they were doing was not wrong. Them selling things in the temple, that was normal. That was okay. It was how they were living outside of that that was a big deal. They would go into the temple, do their normal thing, leave, and live however they wanted. They didn't live like people that worked in the temple and hung out in the temple and that knew God. And the reason I love this story is this is us. How many of us come to Revolution every Wednesday? But yet, you don't have to put your hands up, but yet when you leave here, you don't live anything like what we talk about here at Revolution. We're going to have church now. We're going to get real. Because if you're coming in here and living a certain way here, but living differently out there, you're living just like these people that Jesus got on to. You're living just like these people that Jesus flipped the tables over on and kicked the chairs out from under and talked to for a while. And you're living just like the fig tree that's not producing any fruit that eventually just withers up because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now, don't misunderstand me, okay? When I say all this stuff about you have to back up what you say and what you believe with what you do, that's absolutely true. The Bible teaches that. The Bible also teaches that you don't earn your way to heaven. So even though I'm saying you need to back up what you're saying with what you're doing, the fact that you're doing these things for God is not what saves you. Jesus is the only one who saves you. For him forgiving you, being gracious to you, and looking past all your sin, forgiving all your sin, that's what saves you. But because of that, your actions change. You start to bear fruit. You start to do these things that we're talking about in here at Revolution. Hey, coffers, stop. So it should affect you because of your faith in God. To say you believe is one thing. To actually have faith in the God that you say you believe in is a whole nother thing. So here's my question to you. Are you producing fruit? Don't say it out loud, just think it. Ask yourself this question. Am I producing fruit? Am I doing the things that I say I believe? Am I doing the things I know God wants me to be doing? And because he saved me, because he loves me, these are the things I should be doing. Let me ask it another way, okay? It's the same question, just phrased differently. It's are you living and believing what you say you do, which is what Jesus calls you to. 
If you come in here on Wednesday night and you say, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I want to worship Jesus with my life. I want to serve people. I want to, I want to give God my whole life. If you're saying that, then you, you need to do that. And start to actually see fruit in your life. See God doing things in your life. Start praying for people. Start helping people. Start being nice to people. Some of you are just mean and you need to stop being mean. Be nice. There's no reason to be mean to anybody. So fruit should be coming in our lives as middle school students, as leaders. All of us in this room, if we're following Jesus, we should be producing fruit. Newtons should be just coming out our ears. I know it's a weird example. Just go with me. We should be living out what we're saying we're believe, what we say we believe. And we should have faith in our God that He can actually do the things that we're asking Him to do and that we can actually trust Him. We have faith in Him so we can actually trust that what He calls us to do and to, the way to live is a better way to live. Because the temptation is going to be when you live, leave here on Wednesday night, you leave here, you go home, or you go to school, or you hang out with friends, there's going to be things that you're tempted with that is not what God's calling you to, that's sinful, that's bad, that's hurtful. It might be good for a minute, it might be good for a little while, it might, it might be exciting, or it might be, have uh, these positive uh, things that come along with it at first. But in the long run, it's not what God's called you to. And eventually, it's going to lead to you just withering up like a dead fig tree. So are you producing fruit? Are you living the way that you say you do? Are you living the way you say you believe? Are you living out the things that God's called you to? And that Jesus is asking you to follow him in? So I want you to do this. Close your eyes. This is what we do every week, but I don't want this to be just a normal everyday Wednesday. Yeah, okay, he's doing the challenge part now. I want you to have a serious moment where you're asking yourself this question. Am I a hypocrite? Am I the guy or girl that comes to church and says I love Jesus and says I love God, but when I go out into the school, my family, I do not live like it at all. Because the thing is, is you don't have to live like that. You can be one person. You don't have to be two people. You don't have to be a church person and then the other person. You can just be who you are, which is somebody that God loves, that Jesus died for, and who's calling you to something bigger in this life, who's calling you to follow Jesus, who's calling you to know God, who's calling you to be a kind, gracious, gentle, forgiving person. You can be that person. God is faithful and he will help you. He will be there for you. He will love you, encourage you, and strengthen you to be those people. So are you producing fruit? Are you being a hypocrite? Or are you living out the stuff that you say you believe? With your eyes closed, I'm going to pray for you guys. And I want you to keep thinking on this. We're going to keep worshiping here tonight.
We're going to sing a few songs together. Songs that just talk about God's love. And it's his love that drives us to do these actions. To love God with the way we live. To love God with the way we talk. And the way we treat people. So as we sing these songs, take some time and, and just ask God to help you not be a hypocrite anymore. Ask God to help you have the strength to commit fully to what you say you believe. And to not be one person at revolution and a totally different person at home or at school. And to start producing fruit in your life. Things that people can look at and say, oh, that person knows God. That person loves God. That person loves me.